last year's Browns, meaning within two years, they could be legitimately challenging the Chiefs, not only in the AFC West, but the AFC. Is this something that you agree with? It doesn't matter what you stop them from doing. They're always going to find something else to, to figure it out. And so I think one of the things stopping the Chargers was they also need to have a well-rounded, complete team and where they can play games, you know, with different play lines. If something is stopped, we can go this direction or something like that. So I do think with their additions, um, with, you know, guys who are hurt coming back, Drew Tranquil, Derwin James, I really do think this is going to be year. And it seems like a turning point for the franchise. You know, the hype is there with Brandon Staley. But until it happens, the Chiefs are the team to be, and there's nothing we can do about that right now. All right, show and BK on the Chiefs. Serta's in here. BK's in here. So this is what we're going to do. So apparently this is just going to be us all year. You got this dude working with Pete about the Chargers stuff. Stop this. Stop this stuff. Everyone is like, this is, now I feel even more confident about this. This now feels like one of those situations where everybody thinks something's going to happen. Everybody's so high on the Chargers. And, and I'm telling you, they're not even going to make the playoffs. I am feeling so great about that, even more hearing that guy. They're not going to make the playoffs. People are overshooting the Chargers. And I'm sure BK's over there smiling and loving. Oh, yeah, people are agreeing with me. People are loving me with the Chargers. This Chargers thing is ridiculous. It's pathetic. At least he did have the, the audacity and the truth serum to say, Will the Chiefs still run the division? At least he said that. But this Chargers thing is becoming the most annoying thing for me in sports right now. I, I, that is that is where I am. I think the majority of Chiefs fans are with you for what it's worth. This has been the case. I, I think a lot of Chiefs fans, anytime well, they you. hear. That's true. Anytime they hear the annual Chargers love fest that we hear every year, they're like, okay, yeah, cool, sweet, awesome. Go ahead and win the division at some point in the last decade. And then maybe we can talk. And I get it. I really do. I fall for it all the time. They're perennially one of the most talented teams and one of the biggest underachieving teams in the NFL. There are some tangible changes this time around, though. They have a new coach. That is significant. I really like their new coach. Their quarterback last year had one of the best rookie seasons we've literally ever seen from a rookie quarterback in the history of the league. And oh, by the way, his first start last year, he took the Chiefs to overtime. The last game of the season, game that I know Patrick Mahomes didn't play. The Chargers did win that game. Um, the Chargers are coming. They are there going are a few to other get... people who didn't play in that game as well, BK. Are you kidding me right now? You <laughs> son okay. of a gun. You're going <laughs> to cite reaching. that last game as the, as the Chargers game. You knew when that rolled out your mouth, right when you said it, that that didn't mean anything. You see Serta's ass is silent here. He's not backing you up on that last game. You've got to be kidding me. You are drinking so much of the Chargers juice that you went to the last ball game of the season when there was no Pat, no Kelsey. I don't even think Derek Derek Thomas. They didn't even they didn't even put yeah, his Derek Thomas up. definitely didn't play. Well, I know he didn't play, but they didn't even they didn't even put his name on the Ring of Honor that day. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The last game of the season? Oh, the wow. Chargers the wow. Chargers did play. The Chargers did play really well in that game though, for being honest. And and again, that was uh Michael Peterson. He is the lead editor of Bolts from the Blue, our sister website for the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, great job well, by him. He just needed yeah, to stay with his chest him. a little Shove more. It, Mike. Right? <laughs> yeah, I made it. When I'm stronger on your team than you are, it's not it's not great. I, I appreciate him doing that. By the way, you can check out 
uh, the interview series that Pete Sweeney is doing on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. You should check that out weekly. He's doing fantastic work on there. It's all coming up on the same channel that you're probably listening to this on right now. The Chargers are a good football team uh, show. that They are, and they're going to be a good football team next year. ESPN put out their future rankings earlier this week, and they had the Chargers at number 11. That's absurd. They had the Patriots above them in the AFC. That is insane. The Colts were above them as well. The Colts are the team for me that you feel about with the Chief or the Chargers, where they're completely overhyped every single year because people like their coach, and I do too. Their roster is just not all that great. So the Chargers are going to be good. They're going to battle for second place in the division. They're going to make the playoffs next year. Prepare yourself for that and then prepare for a lot of really fun games between these two teams in the future. Mike, that got away from me. Don't shove it. I'm sorry. That got away from me. Just a taste, Mike. Um, I would actually like to do lunch with you, Mike, if you ever. They do really good work at our sister website. Whatever. But I'd like to do lunch. Shove it got away from me. You can follow him on Twitter at Zone Tracks. You can do that. And I apologize. Maybe we could do lunch or something, Mike. I'm I'm serious. Like this is how confident I am, and I am so over the Charger thing, especially when I have to do this with you two every week about these Chargers. Talking about the Colts, the Colts at least make the playoffs. Don't get me into the Chargers overhyped. Every, at least the Colts made the playoffs with old ass Philip last year. Here, here, here it is. This is where I am. I am willing. Yeah, Anthony Lynn is their coach, and you wanted them to make the playoffs. Like I'm not. No, I'm not no, judging no, the man listen, for that. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying where you're talking. You t- you just said the Colts are the most overhyped team every year. Well, at least they make the playoffs. All right, the Chargers don't. Let's see what happens with Boy Wonder Brandon Staley, who's never been a coach before in his one year as a defensive coordinator. As we're already ready to to wrap him up as. All right, he's got it. He's the next Andy. Here's my deal. I'm so confident that the these Jokers Andy. won't make the playoffs. They won't make it. They won't make the playoffs. I don't care there's a seventh playoff spot in the AFC. I'm telling you what right now. Oh, God. What are you doing, Ron? I'm going to put my balls where it counts. That's probably, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Does <laughs> what? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Is that Maybe a good thing it. or a bad thing better? for us? <laughs> it's a, It's going to be a good thing for me because it doesn't matter. I'm willing to make a bet, a one-way bet. I don't even need anything coming back the other way. You're damn right. That's how confident show is. I I will take whatever episode it is of, of show and BK on the Chiefs if they continue to have us. Whatever episode it is, after the Chargers either make the playoffs or eliminate it, I will refer to you as King BK and my daddy Serta. That's how I refer to the both of you and the entire episode. Every time I say something, I will address it as start as, okay, King BK <laughs> and Daddy Show. Or, I mean, Daddy Serta. <laughs> I will do it every time. Daddy Serta, you're my daddy. King BK. I will do it. Uh, One way bet. I don't, I don't even know if I like That's that. That's how confident I am that the punk-ass Chargers are. Now, see, I'm even now being mean to them, that the Chargers won't make the playoffs. This is stupid. Do you want to be called daddy by him, Serta? Like, is this something that you're actually looking forward to? Because it seems to me like this is something that you're not really into. I mean, King BK is much better than him just calling me daddy for an entire podcast. I feel like that's just going to be uncomfortable for me and uncomfortable for our listeners. It's uncomfortable for me, okay? You know I don't want to call you I don't think it's that uncomfortable for you. It really is. To call another man daddy? You don't think that's uncomfortable? 
Daddy Serta, every time I speak, I have to address you as Daddy Serta. Yeah, that's uncomfortable, but it ain't going to happen. Although I've just said it eight times, but it ain't going to happen because the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. This is ridiculous. Good God, man. Justin Herbert, God, apparently. Uh, the, the, the next quarterback that's top five in the league, apparently, to you two. I'll just, I'll just sit back with a cigar and just bask in my glory. When As you're happens. calling him daddy and me king. It's going to be great. It's not. It will not happen. So we, we're, we're over this. And I, Mike, you could get into the bet, too, to be honest with you. Uh, I'll call him Emperor Mike if it, if, if that happens. I can't uh, wait to happen. I can't wait to win this bet that I, is just going to make me uncomfortable and that I don't care about it all. Whatever, it's not going to happen. All right, so I I feel great about it. I'm going to tell you what did happen this week. What happened is Brett Veach and Andy Reid put themselves in the tour, the newest tour for the Chiefs. And that tour is called Y'all Better Be Right. The Y'all Better Be Right Tour. Because we watched Melvin Ingram, who we've talked about, maybe the top defensive end on the market or outside linebacker pass rusher on the market, go to the Pittsburgh Steelers on a one-year deal for $4 million. $4 million. A person that I've said, hey, go and get as at least an insurance policy, you know Frank Clark's going to get suspended. You just can't drive around with Uzis, all right, after you'd already gotten in trouble before three months ago. You just can't get back-to-back felony gun charges without losing games. You're going to lose games from Frank Clark. And instead, they signed close to home somebody that they're familiar with, Alex Okafor, on a one-year deal. I don't know the numbers on that deal yet. I don't think that's been released yet. Yeah, they haven't yet. It's a one-year deal. All I'm saying is, Brett and Andy, now you have a lot of the time, so you can get the benefit of the doubt. You have a lot of the time been right. This one, you better be right because you haven't. If you weren't, it feels like you're working on the cheap. It feels like you're trying to to do something about somebody you know more. And I, I don't know about you two, but I look at it. If you give me Melvin Ingram or Alex Okafor in terms of what I need rushing the passer, I'm going Melvin Ingram every time. And as I said, this is the you better be right tour and Brett and Andy better be right on this one. I think that's fair in some regards, but I mean, if you look at what Melvin Ingram did, and a lot of this is due to injury for sure. No, he didn't do nothing last year. He wasn't good last year, you know, and even the year before he had seven sacks, 11 TFL and 12 quarterback hits. If you look at what Alex Okafor did the year before, he had five sacks. He had, uh, I believe it's 15, 15, no, five, excuse me, five TFLs and nine quarterback hits. The numbers are are somewhat similar between the two over the last couple of years. And if Okafor is going to come in, as I would expect, at a significantly lower number, I bet you he's pretty close to the league minimum. I've got no issues with this, man. I, I really don't. Um, really? The other thing is because I don't know how much time we're going to see Alex Okafor in there. Like I think part of this was probably Melvin Ingram asking for more playing time. And I don't think the Chiefs could promise that. If you're looking at what they have right now on the outside, I think you're going to see a decent amount of Chris Jones on first and second down lining up at defensive end, as we've talked about a lot. 
Frank Clark, I, I'm not there with you quite the same way you are about him getting suspended this year. I think it's coming. I think this might play out kind of like the, remember the Dwayne Bowe situation where it took a year for the court proceedings to take place before he was actually suspended officially by the league? I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that with Frank Clark this year as well. So regardless, Frank Clark and Chris Jones, I think are going to be your early down defensive ends. You're going to see a little bit of um, Mike Dana out there on early downs as well. Taco Charlton is going to be mixing in uh, on third downs. I think, I hope later on in the season, Joshua Kando is going to be mixing in on third downs as well. That leaves a very limited role for Alex Okafor. And I think the same would probably have been true for Melvin Ingram. And so I think this was as much about Melvin Ingram deciding he wanted more playing time and that's what he was going to prioritize as it was anything else. I just don't think, I mean, what are we doing though? I mean, I, I think the Chiefs are in a situation where we all agree they're Super Bowl or bust. That, that's where they are, right? Like we're talking $4 million damn dollars. I, I, I don't know what the difference is going to be. We're talking $4 million the Steelers got for him. To me, I look at it. I, I hear what you're saying. Last year, Melvin Ingram, due to injuries, I believe, played seven, eight games and didn't do much. He didn't mm-hmm. record a sack, just as you stated, I think five tackles for loss. But clearly, when he's healthy, he's been a seven, eight, double-digit sack guy in his, in his in his career. And to me, when you give him the, the point of, hey, rush the passer, we want to get that situation, especially with what Steve Spagnola likes to do with guys up front and how that's always been his his way of doing things, is getting pressure. Listen, this is Super Bowl or bust. Two, three million dollars. I don't give a rip. If he if he's getting signed for nine hundred, what is the the minimum now? Five hundred thousand something. I don't give a rip. Four million dollars. You're eight million under the cap right now. Don't fool around with this and go make the best deal. Like I, that's me. Now they could be right on this. Like I said, they better be right on this. But that to me seems cheap, and it seems like all right. We know a guy. We trust a guy for this system better, and that just I I just don't I don't like that. Go get. That, especially when it comes to that case. Like, we've talked about it before. Like, maybe you can't go get Xavier and Howard. Like, I've talked about That's just out. Maybe that's out of it. But $4 million? Four? For Alex Okafor? I've seen the ceiling of Alex Okafor, man. And he's been injured, too. Sure. Like he's not getting to the passer. Man, Alex Okafor is a – he's one of them covered sack guys. Oh, I'm going to work. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to bull rush my ass to death. And then, bam, maybe I might get you. Melvin Ingram can go beat guys, you know, not consistently like he did before, but he can go beat guys. I just $4 million. That one sent me to the edge when I saw that. I'm like, well, hold on. So I'm with you in general. Like if this was the Chiefs not matching the offer, yeah, I would have preferred to have in a vacuum Melvin Ingram over Alex Okafor. I agree. But I'm going to put you in Melvin Ingram's spot for a second. If the Chiefs are offering you $4 million and the Steelers are offering you $4 million, and in one place you're being told, hey, we can't guarantee you a starting spot, and you might end up playing, as we saw last year from Alex Okafor, like 30% of the snaps. That might be what you end up getting, depending on what our other guys show us this year, especially with Chris Jones at defensive end. Or you're hearing from the Steelers, yo, we lost Bud Dupree this offseason, and we looked around, and we realized, hey, it's late July. And all we got is T.J. Watt, a defensive end. You're going to be playing 70% of the snaps. You good with that? Where are you going? You know, it's the same money either place. 
Both of them are going to be good teams, although varying degrees of good. I, the Chiefs championship contenders, Steelers should be solid. I think you're going to probably, at this end of your career with Melvin Ingram, you maybe got one more chance to get a decent contract after this season if you come back and play well and are healthy. You're going to the Steelers. So I think this is one of those situations where it was less about what the Chiefs were willing to offer. And this is just speculation and more about what the player wanted. And my guess is the player decided, hey, it makes more sense for me to go start in Pittsburgh than it does for me to go be potentially a timeshare piece in Kansas City. And if I'm Melvin Ingram, one, shoot, boy, I I, I, I want to play. I want to play the Chargers twice a year. I, I like I want to get back at them twice a year and like if that if that scenario was painted and the Chiefs are saying like how many snaps are you thinking the Chiefs probably would say what you said 30 to 40 percent 40 percent of the snaps well, I th- to me that's a mistake by the Chiefs like I like even then, if but you're also somebody that doesn't like the idea of putting Chris Jones on the outside. Oh, and so I, th- I think this is kind of hinted tinted no, by that, right? I don't, but I but but even with that, I still look still from what we've had conversations about, doesn't mean that Chris Jones is just gonna be even if he's just gonna primarily be out there, like you were thinking, still in run like it in pass rushing downs, mm-hmm. you thought he would still get kicked in and they put their best guys out, which that could be more than 40% of the snaps to me. Like, I feel like Melvin Ingram's looking at, at this. Like, Melvin's no fool. I think Melvin, I think he wants to put together to get paid too, but it, I think he also knows if I'm on a big stage and I'm playing for a team that's got a chance, that also helps me. Um, and I get to play this old team who thinks I'm done, you know, you know multiple times a year, that helps me. But if the Chiefs are putting themselves in a position where – Melvin Ingram, hey man, you, we get you 30, 40% of the snaps. Well, you didn't really want Melvin Ingram. Oh. And 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 that's problematic to me too, because you start rolling out names like Mike Dana and, and things and, and Taco Charlton. Those are still nervous, no, nervous guys for me for a championship team that's going to roll with that potentially could have Frank Clark out for games. Yeah, but the Chiefs under Spags have traditionally rotated a lot of guys in and out throughout a game like there's not very many defenders on that side of the ball for them under him who are legitimately playing like 95 to 100 percent of the snaps outside of like Tyron Matthew and and Chris Jones in some circumstances like they rotate a lot of those guys in and out of the games and with Ingram, I don't necessarily look at it like it's a money thing. Like, I don't think the Chiefs were necessarily trying to be cheap and, like, you know, offering him $2 million when the Chiefs offered him $4 million. And they were like, okay, well, we'll just take Alex Okafor for $1.5 or whatever the deal winds up being. I legitimately think that it's just Spags is really interested in bringing in the guy that already knows his system. He's He, he really likes the athletic profile of Alex Okafor when Alex Okafor has been on the field. They like what they got out of him. He's just struggled to stay on the field, and they think if he can stay healthy, oh, we can get a lot more out of him than we've gotten out of him so far just because he's had some injury issues. So I, I think that has a lot more to do with it than the dollar amount because, yeah, $4 million. It's like if that was all it was, all right, all right, Melvin, we'll, we'll give you five. Come, come play for us and help us win a ring. I mean, and BK, if that's the point, as I said to start this, this is the you better be right tour. And you better be right into thinking that we know him, he fits our system, and that's the better move. 
because to me, it's who is the guy. Like, I think Melvin Ingram could fit the system and fit what he wants to do. And you better be right. Maybe. I, listen, I could be dead wrong. I got no problems admitting. Alex Okafor could be better at 30 years old right now than Ingram at 32 and, and, and be, read, be ready to go. And maybe Ingram's no show, no sex, five tackle for loss last year is where he is right now. And Alex Okafor is a better player than him right now. It's just hard for me to convince convince me right now that that's the case. And like I said, they better be right about if it's a system fit. I think that's all fair. What you're saying is fair. I, I think it's more comparable probably between the two players than, than what where you're at with these guys. And I also think a lot of this shows, I think the Chiefs have a lot of faith that Chris Jones is going to work at defensive end. I, I think that's part of this is them believing. It has to be. Sure. It, it's them believing that what they have in Chris Jones is going to work there. And I think part of this also suggests they're confident Frank Clark's not going to miss significant time this year, because if they weren't, I think you might even be looking at signing both guys going into the year. You know, it might be a situation where you don't feel confident enough that you have the depth that you're going to need at that position going into the season. And it also could be a situation where they're saying, you know what? We're looking at a pass rusher because that's really what you're talking about, right? Right, show is you're, you're saying, okay, where are you getting the pass rush from defensive ends? Yeah. Maybe they believe Josh Kando is going to be that guy by the end of the year. The, the rookie that they took this year in the fourth round from Florida State, he is not ready right now. He is a project for them. If they think, though, that he can be good by week 13, 14, 15, which is typically when Spags likes his rookies to be able to kind of start developing on the field for them in the games, well, then that could play into this as well. So I think it's a, I think it's a culmination of a number of different things. And when you add all of that up, it was probably something where they said to themselves, we're fine with either guy. If Ingram decides to take our $4 million offer, $3 million offer, whatever it was, we're good with that. If he doesn't, well, we know we've got a backup plan and we feel comfortable that Okafor can come in and play 30 to 40% of the snaps and we'll be good with that as well because we've seen what that looks like. Just gotta be, just, just better be right on it. That, that, that's all I'm, I'm saying. If, if that was the thing that cost you, you better be right. It's just where this, as I say this, this is Super Bowl or bust team. And if we're going to sit here with, you know what, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to take a chance on our fourth round pick that he's going to be a guy that can get pressured. I'm going to take a chance that Mike Dana makes it a next step. You could do that. You could take a chance. But when you're in Super Bowl or bust, like, Three, four, five million dollars is right there on someone that feels more for sure, or you have a history on it, and that feels more than just taking a chance. When you're Super Bowl or bust, that that move feels like the way that I would go, and I'm sure I'll be wrong. But I mean, that's that's. That, that, I mean, I just looked at. It and I'm like, damn, four million dollars, one year, four million dollars. Hmm. Mm. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I know Mike Tomlin can t- do a lot of talking, but if you'd have said, "Hey, man, we'll, we'll take you one for six. See, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting thing. Ain't Show got so worked up about Alex Okafor and Melvin Ingram that he completely forgot to throw to commercial break. So we're gonna take a quick time out. But when we get back. The NFL released a new statement on their COVID-19 vaccine policy, and it's going to drastically affect the NFL season. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Um, the other the other thing that's dropping right now that's going to affect the league in a major way, BK asserted, and that is the NFL said, hey, we ain't going to mandate that y'all got to get these vaccines, but we sure going to push this thing to a point where y'all better think a little bit harder for guys like Cole Beasley who ain't going to get that vaccine because now the NFL has said that in this year, any of these games that have to be uh, that have to be moved or or can't be played due to um, COVID issues, or if there's an outbreak like we saw a few times last year, um, one teams could be subject to forfeiting games, like forfeiting games, which could really have an impact on the playoffs. And then, if they aren't able to be made up in the 18 week period. They said they'll potentially move things around, but this, these things are going to be played in 18 weeks. If they're unable to be made up in 18 weeks, then both teams won't get paid the salaries for that week. Both teams. If the Chiefs played the Chargers and somebody like, I won't say a name, but somebody for the Chargers caused a potential outbreak and wasn't vaccinated, then everybody on the Chargers and the Chiefs, if they weren't able to make the game up in that 18 weeks, nobody would get paid. This here is taking it to the next level. Also, BK Asserta, for those who aren't vaccinated, y'all living a different life than everybody else. Y'all got to wear masks the whole time that you're out. You on the road have to stay in your hotel rooms the entire time. You can't bounce. Or you can't even eat with your teammates. So they're testing schedule that they had last year. Like it's it's everything The the quarantine period, you are are mandated to a 10 day mandatory, mandatory isolation period. Whereas if you're vaccinated, it's 24 hours apart. And if you get two negative tests, you're good to go. Like it, it is totally different. It is a completely different life. If you are vaccinated versus unvaccinated in the NFL this year. No, it's, and they're, so they're, they're laying it down. They're saying, Hey, 
If you don't want to be vaccinated, we ain't going we can't make it mandatory that you can't play. They're not doing that. They just saying he's just gonna think you're gonna think a little harder, Cole Beasley. Whatever that tackle is for the Bills, DeAndre Hopkins and lost his mind and said stuff. Hey, if you don't want if you want to be vaccinated, that's fine. You just gotta do all these these things. And I'll be honest with you, from in my opinion, they're fair. Fair things. All right? Because you're you can affect other people and take out the game. In the NFL, we know it's about money. And they're not, they want to avoid having the situations that they had last year where they had to move all these games around and they had to do all these things that they want to avoid that. See, last year they didn't have a vaccine to be able to slow this thing down. This year they have options where they say, all right, at least, at least let's try our best to put ourselves in the most safe situation that we can have to where we can continue to have our league the way we want to have it. And they're going to put these things in place. And I don't know about you, BK, as this in, it involves all 32 teams, when we look at the Chiefs, this has a feel to me that this is not going to be a team that's affected as much by this. This feels like a group that they're all aboard, on board with this and that, that I'd be surprised that, especially anybody of note, I'd be surprised if guys aren't vaccinated and, and are and, – and, and it's something that Andy Reid or Brett Veacher have to deal with. It's a competitive advantage to have really? more vaccinated players this year. And so if you're Andy Reid, you have every reason in the world to recommend, suggest, encourage all of your players to be vaccinated before the start of the regular season. Like it, it is just it is factually accurate to say at this point that if you are a team that has at least 85% of your players vaccinated, you are at a competitive advantage. And if you are not, you are at not only a slight competitive disadvantage, a severe competitive disadvantage. Ron, you played sports growing up. Serta, I'm sure you did as well. Part of what, part of what makes a sports team great is the camaraderie that you have with your teammates. Last year, part of what made the season suck for a lot of these guys, part of what made it such a grind is you couldn't go eat next to one another in the middays. Like you couldn't go out in the hotel bar the night before a game or the night after a game, whatever, and grab a drink with your teammate. Like it was just a completely different time for these guys than it ever has been in the history of their existence. This year, all of that stuff, if you're a team that's been vaccinated more by and large, that comes back. And you're able to do those things. So even forgetting the on-field part of this, which is obviously massive, and that's what this this day, the the news of the day, was all about. It's everything, man. And so if you're if you're a Chiefs fan, and whatever your personal feelings are aside, I would be rooting for every player on that team prior to the season to be vaccinated because it helps you on the football field. Just as a fan of the football team, your team is in better shape this year when you have more of those guys that have been vaccinated. I mean, and you look at the team you played in the AFC championship game, and a lot of people really believe, like, potentially Buffalo's the second-best team. I know Cleveland, sort of, shut up. Many people believe Buffalo's Browns, the second-best team. This, this, if I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, this thing coming down today, that scares the hell out of me with my team. My I'm, I'm ready against them now. Yes. My second-best receiver, Cole Beasley, is the is has been the poster child of 
I'm not getting vaccinated. They got a tackle as well who's being a hard ass. Uh, uh, and, and Stefan Diggs, it's already come out and said availability is the accountability or whatever he said. What did he say, BK? Ability is accountability, something like that. Availability, availability is accountability. Is that there right? we go. Like we that. got there, there. Steve. God, boy, that's bad. Accountability is availability. Yeah, accountability <laughs> is that's right to you, Cole. Like, and that right there, that already starts something. That already starts something. Because I'm telling you, like, this is a chance. If they needed it, this is a chance where Frank Clark can show his real leadership skills. Could you imagine facing Frank Clark? And costing Frank Clark a, a game check. Can you imagine that? Byron Pringle. You know what, man? I'm not getting vaccinated. See, and you didn't cost Frank Clark a, a, a game check. We know we know Frank's packing. Like this is like, 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 like this is problematic right here. Like this is where Frank could really show his leadership skills. Go by everybody day by day in there. Hey man, let me see your vaccine card. I think I think this is where Tyron Matthew on that side of the ball really comes through in a big way. Yeah, I know. I know you're being realistic, but Frank feels like a lot more fun. But Frank going through every locker, <laughs> asking for vaccine cards. And saying, he is hey, more fun. Is that, is, is that the Moderna? Just you Gil- only got one. He's hey, just dog, Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, hey, hey, you only got one. I need to see your second one. Like, I mean, I'm sure Tyra Matthew and, and Pat are real the real leaders at this. But this could be where Frank could really show his leadership skills. I actually, in all seriousness, I think every position group like needs one of these guys that feels like they're a hall monitor, but they're like, man, I know this sucks. I know you guys don't want to do this, but here we are. Like this is this is where we're at. And this year, we are not losing games. We are hell. We are certainly not losing paychecks because somebody in this room wasn't vaccinated. Get your damn vaccines. Go get it and show me your card when you're done. Yeah, I'm gonna oh. need to see your card, dog. But I, Anthony Anthony Hitchens gonna be that guy in the in the linebacker God, room. You, you have to be. Over I, I, I feel like Tyron with Matthews this though, with the like I, I feel like you're seeing the difference between the best teams and the teams that are beneath them because this to me it just speaks to leadership and, and the way it is constructed top to bottom within the organization. Like if you're a chief, you can't be Cole Beasley on this team. Not when Pat's been at the forefront of getting vaccinated. Not when Pat's been on, this loud. So, so you don't think there's a Cole Beasley on this team? You don't think there's a guy out If here? If there is, they'll get rid of him real quick or he'll yeah, get vaccinated right. because it's, you know, I don't know, you know, whether it's about health, whether it's about politics, whether it's about religion, whatever any of these players are citing for reasons that they don't want to get vaccinated, uh, uh, despite you know refusing to inform themselves on why they should, okay, it is a legitimate competitive advantage. I don't know if Tom Brady's been vaccinated. I don't know if Tom Brady wants to get vaccinated. You put these rules in front of Tom Brady and say it's going to affect whether or not he can win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady's going to go get vaccinated. He's going to make sure everybody else on that team is vaccinated because he's not playing around with it. Not when it comes to his legacy and him winning championships. I think Mahomes is the same way. I don't know that I feel that way about Josh Allen, who has not been vocal about getting vaccinated, has not admitted whether or not he's been vaccinated. And you're seeing what's going on with the Buffalo Bills. I think a lot of this also goes to interpersonal relationships that you have with your teammates. Like we know Tom Brady has good relationships with his teammates. We know that Patrick Mahomes has good relationships with his teammates. I think there's a lot of guys that might not. And if they don't, 
they're much less likely to have those kinds of conversations with their teammates because they are hard. Like these are the things that are difficult to do if you're a player. You don't want to talk about religion and politics and vaccines. That stuff is real. You want to talk about the NBA finals. You want to talk about what you're doing this weekend. Like those are the conversations that a lot of people have with their casual friends or their coworkers, right? I'm not talking to a lot of my coworkers about their vaccine status. I'm just not. I'm not all that interested in having those conversations because they become a little bit more controversial. They become a situation where one of us might disagree with the other. And I'm not all into that confrontation. I don't need that in my life. But for these players, they need to have that confrontation and those conversations right now. The one thing that will be interesting with this is those guys at the bottom part of the the rosters fighting, they ain't got no choice. Nope. Because that will will flat out be the difference of of you. Like, like, uh, like they're just guys that, hell, not even bottom of the, of the roster guys. Like, What's my man's name? Uh, Wharton. What's his name? Treshawn. Yeah. Treshawn Wharton. Let him come in here and just not get vaccinated. Hey, dog. We ain't going to take no chance of you messing this up. And we like you. Hell, you you played as many. Only what? Chris Jones and, and Frank Clark on the defensive line played as, as uh, maybe there was somebody else played more snaps than him. But hey, dog, you're expendable. If you ain't getting this vaccine, we're not about to let you put us in any kind of – we're not about to let you put us in a situation where we can forfeit games. At a minimum, and, it's gonna it'll be a tiebreaker. Like right? if you've got two guys Easy. that are that are relatively similar in terms of, man, we're having a tough time. Do we go Marcus Kemp? Do we go with Jody Fortson? Uh, which one do we think has a – maybe there's some more upside with Fortson. Kemp, though, is the known commodity. Well, if one of these guys is unvaccinated and he could potentially ruin a week for us and then we've got guys that get – mad about it like let's go with the other guy the guy that's already been vaccinated like it'll be almost an understood thing in those decision making processes and that's not something you can say out loud but I can promise you guarantee there have been decisions that have been made on a hell of a lot less than something like this this is very much real and by the way I'm sure there's going to be a lot of our listeners Ron that are probably yelling at their their uh, their podcast right now, wherever you're listening, in your car, on your phone, whatever. They're saying, guys, this is ridiculous. I can't believe the NFL would do this. I hear you. But when you're a $15, 20000000000 billion business, and now. that business is potentially at risk because of something like this, and the entire business construct is predicated on people being healthy enough to play the football games, well, then this is what you got to do. They are not mandating anybody get the vaccine. They are just highly, highly incentivizing players to get that vaccine. This is what they had to do. For better, worse, being different, however you feel about the vaccine in general, this is what the NFL as a business had to do going into this year. And also to piggyback off that, which Will said, and I know many people are also those same folks that you just talked about are probably saying, well, you can still test positive even if you have the vaccine. Very true. Chris Paul did it in the finals or in the NBA playoffs for the Sun. But that still doesn't mean that the NFL is not going to try to position themselves in the best position possible so they did not do not have to lose those situations. Well, they do not, because if we're going to a place where everybody's vaccinated, which we've seen studies show that 
you're more uh, apt to catch or to get test positive for COVID if you're not vaccinated and the numbers go down if you are vaccinated and as well, your recovery is so much different if you are vaccinated. Well, they're going to take that opportunity and that chance. Last year, they didn't have that. There was no vaccine. So they if you're going to miss games, it's going to happen. If Patrick I can promise Mahomes, you this. If there was one, the NFL would have been at the front of yes, that line. <laughs> hell yes. If we, got, if we got a Monday night football game that is set up, right? All right, we got to move it. Why? Because we're, we're sitting here, oh, Cam Newton versus Pat Mahomes. And no, it's Cam Newton versus Brian Hoyer. They're not going to have those situations if they can avoid it. They're going to put everything they do, everything they can to avoid those situations. So, yes, it's not going to be 100%. There's going to be people who probably, the odds are there's going to be somebody test positive that had the vaccine, but they're going to try to protect it as much as they can. They're not going to just say, all right. And once again, they're not, you can still play DeAndre Hopkins, DJ Reader. You can still play Cole Beasley. Just going to be a little little different life. Little the other thing is like the 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 reason why in terms of the quarantine period that's significant is because you're much less likely to miss games if a dude can be back 24 hours later than yep. if you got to be out for 10 days and you've got some sort of an outbreak on your team so you wait like this is what happened last year right i think it was the bills who had this against the titans if i'm not mistaken in that game well, prior yeah, the to the titans week. the titans start going around and practicing it at local high schools in Nashville on the under. And, and then they had a breakout. Their schedule got all messed up, and then they, they potentially had to like play. I think it was like two games in five days or something that they ended up playing because of that. I'm telling you, BK, if that happened, that situation, that scenario happens again, if a team just says, F it, we're going to meet together practice, they're going to make a team like Tennessee forfeit that game. Yeah. They're going to yeah. make them forfeit. They'd have lost. They've been potentially a loss to the division. If that happened, because exactly. the Colts were right behind him. So if you have that kind of a situation again, and it becomes an outbreak, and you've got the same quarantine period, you're probably, like you said, Ron, going to have to forfeit that game. But if it's vaccinated individuals, and you've got like three or four of them on a team that pop up positive. Well, you don't have to quarantine the same amount of time. Maybe they popped up positive on the Thursday. They're able to play on Sunday. You're good to go. So that's why this is so significant for the league is that those unvaccinated individuals, they got to stay out so much longer that it becomes yeah. much more likely that you got to miss games and that you got to miss a week. And that's where this comes in because that's money. You miss the pay league, too. Yep. And for the league, the way that they're looking at it is, man, we got TV deals that we got to make good on. Yep. And if you don't play, we don't make good on those deals. So if we are missing weeks from teams, that's where the money gets messed with. Mess with somebody's money, whether it be the league, and this stuff rolls downhill, as we know. The league, the players, the coaches, whomever, that's where things start becoming a problem. Hell yeah. Can we get into the game that is sweeping the nation? Oh, it's my favorite time of the week. Every week. The game that is sweeping the nation, it's called Imposter or Certified. And the person coming down this week, is uh, one of the big off-season moves. Imposter. Huh. Yeah, did I flip it? Is it certified or imposter? What well, damn it? It's one of them. <laughs> the guy, the guy who I don't remember is maybe the biggest off-season move for the Chiefs this year. I'm gonna let you jump on this one first, BK. I'm gonna throw the name out: imposter or certified, or certified or imposter. 
That is the new left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr. Is he certified or imposter to you, BK? Certified. This dude's a stud. Uh, he's a hell of a player. He is one of the more entertaining, engaging interviews on the team. He is 25 years old. You're about to get this dude for the prime of his career. The only thing he's ever wanted to do is play left tackle. And he finally got the opportunity to do so last year and did so at a top 10-ish level at the position. Is he Joe Thomas? Uh Uh-uh. He ain't going to be that. And that's okay. He's going to have some moments where you look at him and you're like, man, just not quite the same as what you could have. You had a super athletic left tackle. He's not that guy, but he is dominant. I mean, dominant in the run game in a way that the Chiefs haven't seen at that position since maybe Willie Rofe. And he is a guy at the position that is going to get things done because of his length on the outside. He does it so much differently than what Chiefs fans are accustomed to over the last eight years, I guess it was, with Eric Fisher. But, man, he's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I think Chiefs fans are going to fall in love with him really quickly. He's better than Eric Fisher, and he's significantly better in the running game. I think he's, for me, easily certified. All right, sir, to worry you, a certified or imposter with Orlando Brown Jr.? I think he's got to be certified. Um, He's just been a really good player since entering the league. I I don't believe that he's the best tackle in the game or anything like that, but I think he can be a top five player at his position. I think the Chiefs are probably going to pay him, and that's why they traded draft capital to get him, because they're going to make him one of the highest paid tackles in the game to make sure that somebody's protecting Mahomes for the near future, the way things fell apart last year. And he's shown, even on a Ravens offensive line that was already really good, he played well on both sides of the line and played so well at a position that he didn't even start at last year that he said, no, I'm trying to play that one because that one makes more money. And so you trade for a guy like that because he is certified and because he is a type of playmaker that you need on a team that's going to have a quarterback that needs protecting for a long time. All right. So, so I think the right answer is certified, right? And I think I will say certified too. There is though some concern, like one, he's been primarily playing right tackle. And that does make me feel a lot better that he got some time when Ronnie Stanley got hurt last year for Baltimore and he played left tackle. That does make me feel better. But also, he's switching a complete different makeup of how the two teams played. When he was in Baltimore, his pass blocking was much easier because it was harder to just say, we're going to pin our ears back because their run game was so prevalent and so dominant that many times you thought, you don't know, are they going to are they running it? I'm trying to stop the run. That makes it easier for us to pass her and the person back there. And Pat Mahomes can extend plays very well as also, but that, that nut back there for Baltimore, that's a different, I mean, he's all, he's just going to help you easier. Even if you cut, cut a guy completely loose, he can evade them. This is now switching from a team that runs the ball primarily. And when they, even when they drop back to pass, you got to stop a second because you're trying to stop the run to a team that throws it a ton, that throws it a ton that you're going to have the best guys from the left side on the, on the left side, the best guys in the league, knowing you're going to pass 
rushing the passer and many times him being left one-on-one. So I think he's certified. He's shown that. But there is some level of concern because what does he look like with people knowing they're going to rush the passer, knowing you're going to pass, and him holding up at that and just a complete dynamic switch on what he was used to. He was used to playing on a team that ran the ball as opposed to a team that's now going to be more throw pass dominant that that's the question i say certified i agree with you there is some some question and concern how he adapts to that it is a everything you just said those are the questions as to whether or not this is the move that will put the chiefs over the top on their offensive line the upside is there my question to you would be this ron do we also have to look at where he played in college because at oklahoma it was the opposite He played at a team that was throwing the ball all over the yard with Baker Mayfield going out there and looking like the best quarterback in the country, right? So he does have a history of playing in a passing pass first offense, but what he's done in the NFL, and I'm not trying to say that Oklahoma is the NFL. It certainly is not. What he's done in the NFL is playing in an offense that is unlike anything else in the sport. They're basically playing a different game offensively in Baltimore than the other 31 teams are. And they can do that because of the unique talent that they have at the quarterback position. So you're right. There is going to be a massive adjustment this year. And my assumption would be, and I think for a lot of Chiefs fans should be, there's going to be a learning curve here. Is he going to be perfect in week one through four? Uh Uh-uh. You're going to see some mistakes and it might get Patrick Mahomes hit a few times. And that's going to stink to watch. It ain't going to be fun, but that's part of what it takes to get a guy accustomed to what you do offensively. He said in OTAs that he was basically learning a new language and learning a completely new way to play the game compared to what he did in Baltimore. His steps drop. Everything's completely different. And that's going to take some time. But I believe him to be a talented enough, a good enough player to be able to adjust. And I think what we're going to see is that even though he goes about it a little differently, I think he's going to be a hell of a player for the Chiefs. They're going to have to overpay him. He is not a top two, three, four, maybe even player at the position, and they're going to have to pay him as such. But if you've got a top 10 guy at that spot, that's good enough, and I'm willing to overpay for it. Now, I think Pat and and, and Andy will help him because they scheme stuff, and Pat can evade. uh, He made Eric Fisher look a lot better. I mean, I still think in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, Nick Bosa could have had five sacks if it wasn't for Pat getting rid of the ball and and, and avoiding hits. But that that there just is some concern. Man, you go from you're going from the most run heavy team, which means you got to fire off the ball and go forward all the time. And when you did drop, you know, drop in pass pro. Many t- many times those D linemen had to wait a second because they're still defending the run and scared what the, what's going to happen with the RPO. Is Lamar running on the outside to – now, man, we, we're probably going to drop back and throw this thing 35 times, 40 times. That's, that's, that's the only question. But certified, I think we all – I think that's the right answer. It's just there may be some points – where our listeners right now that's listening to this podcast by week three or four, they may look at that and say, well, hell, he ain't certified. Look at him. He's getting just beat down. Because I understand what you said at Oklahoma. That was, a, a you know, the air raid offense that they were running. But they weren't running into Von Millers and Bradley Chubbs. I'd be stunned, though, if he, if he looks bad. I'd be absolutely stunned. I bad, would. Yeah. It, it, it's possible that he looks average or mediocre or that – 
Chiefs fans are saying, hey, this isn't this isn't what we thought we were getting when we got this guy and the the type of return that they had to give for him. That that's possible. Him being bad though, I'd be stunned if that was yeah. the case. Yeah. All right. All right. So we got before we get out of it, we got to get to this tweet that caught your eye this week, BK. This tweet about the Chiefs last year and potentially some people feeling like this could be a point where they uh they drop back. Yeah, so I, I saw this on Twitter earlier this week, and it was interesting because I, lot of, I saw a lot of Chiefs fans kind of get up in arms about the fact that maybe they could be in for a regression this year. And anytime you hear that, whether it be – I remember we heard this after the first year with Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs fans are at, hey, there's going to be some regression to the mean. They're like, uh-uh, not with our guy. Uh-uh, not Patrick Mahomes. He's immune to that. I get that. But Scott Kazmar does a really good job, and he previously was over with uh, Football Outsiders. And he looked into the teams that have won at least 80% of their games decided by one score, one point to seven points. And the Chiefs are just the 13th team in the last 20 years to win at least 80% of their games decided by one score. Including the playoffs last year, they were 9-0 and in those games. That's a remarkable feat. It's the best record of any team in one-score games in the last 20 years. Typically, what you'd expect for most teams is to go somewhere around 500. So as a sports better myself, Ron, I look at stuff like this. I look at close scores and what teams did in those games, and I will look at turnover margin. Teams that have a really high turnover margin, sometimes yeah. that can be lucky. And the next year, it regresses a little bit, and you'd expect them to be a little little worse as a result. Teams that are really great in one-score games, a lot of those teams will revert back the next year. They'll be a little bit worse. They got a little lucky in those spots. I don't think that applies to the Chiefs. And it's not because the Chiefs are just like the gift of God, and they're always going to end up going 9-0 and in these games. It's not like that. I think they will struggle at times in one-score games. They're probably going to lose some this year. But last year was a little fluky in the way that they played one-score games. You look at the Panthers game. They were up 34-24 with two minutes left, and the Panthers scored what was essentially a garbage-time touchdown. Made it look closer than it really was. Chiefs up 27-10 going into the fourth quarter against the Buccaneers. I know everybody looked at that game afterwards and was like, man, that was a really close game between the Chiefs and Bucks." You know, as a Chiefs fan watching that, Chiefs dominated that game. Buccaneers got back into it of late, and it ended 27-24. You look at the Dolphins game. The Dolphins kicked a field goal with 16 seconds left to make that a one-score game. The Chiefs were before that up 33-24. Those weren't real, quote-unquote, one-score games. But they looked that way in the box score, and that's all that matters in a stat like this. So if you want to know a lesson from this, Chiefs defense needs to be a hell of a lot better in the fourth quarter next year. They need to get stops when you're playing late. And so the, the mantra of finish, that's got to be what the Chiefs defense is looking for this year. BK inserted. This feels like a context matters. This feels like a watching the games matters here. And this feels like understanding where the Chiefs are this year matters. And this goes back to the first conversation I had on this podcast that we started. And I said, the Chiefs are pissed and they want to send a message every single week that we lost that Super Bowl because we were hurt. We are the best team in football, and we are going to send a message every week. And there were many times, and you went through a lot of those games, there were many times, I believe, guys, they were bored. 
They were bored and they were just playing out the string and they took their foot off the gas. That Tampa game you talked about, they took their foot off the gas. They seemed to toy with the Saints. I feel like that was another one of those one score games. They took their foot off the gas. The Miami game, Pat Pat, Pat was looking like he was in spring training just trying things at times in one of those quarters. Like they like they just they just took their foot off the gas. Now there were some legit games. The Raiders games, those were legit where those were really one score games where they were really pushed. Now, come on, man, that Falcons game, they didn't give two rips about that game. They just went, I don't think you're going to see that from this team this year. I think this team is going to come in and want to beat the holy hell out of every team to prove. And they're not going to take their foot off the gas. I don't think Andy's going to take his foot off the gas. They're going to be smoking hot. So as opposed to last year, I don't know if you guys agree with this. It felt like to me they were just trying to get through this thing. They were just trying to get through the regular season and let's let's get to the playoffs. By God, let's just hurry up and get here. And let's just in these games, we, all right, we play two quarters. And I'm not saying it was a great habit, but we play two quarters and let's just coast. Now, I don't think they're thinking that. I think they're thinking, Let's dominate the hell out of these guys and send a message so we can shut Tom Brady's ass up every week. I think that's a difference with this team. That team was bored and ready to get through with it. I heard Draymond Green say this on the shop, LeBron show. We're saying, man, you get to a point where you start winning so much that, man, it's just about – it's not even fun anymore. It's just about let's just win that game and move on to the next one. And I felt like that's where the Chiefs were last year. But the Chiefs had this added motivation with how the Super Bowl went down and they got embarrassed. And I feel like they're going to try to take that out on all 17 teams they played this year. Yeah, this is where the internal motivation comes from, right? And you hear this from – and it could be external too, frankly. The Patriots, remember in – what was that? I guess it would have been 2018 when the Chiefs lost in the AFC championship game yeah. to the Patriots and the Patriots came into that. And it was the whole nobody believes in us thing. It was like, you're, you're the yeah, Patriots. Tom invented that. Yeah. You're the Patriots. Like, what are you talking about? Of course, people believe in you, but they bought into that. And so they were both externally because that's where the motivation came from and internally motivated by that. And that became something that they were able to latch on to. Chiefs didn't have that last year. There was nowhere that they could go where they could be like, yeah, you know, there's people that don't believe in us this year. I think this year that's changed a little bit. I think you can look around the AFC and I think there's people not necessarily picking against the Chiefs, but looking around saying, okay, there's some real threats to the Chiefs in the AFC. The Bills, the Browns, Ravens, the Chargers are getting a lot of hype this offseason. At least we've, I don't think we've talked about them a whole lot on this show, but other places, people are talking about the Chargers as well. Um, there, there's a whole lot out there among. You've got to be kidding me. That's uh, also the, the Browns, much more than the Bills. All of the above. But there's people that are actually picking like other teams to really be able to compete with the Chiefs this year. And I think that's something that this team's going to utilize and internalize and motivate themselves with. The other thing, to your point, Ron, about what happened last year to them, I think that was one of the downsides of the Run It Back Tour. Yeah. I agreed with their decision to do it, especially given the weird offseason, the pandemic year, everything that went into too. it. Oh, that's a great point, too, yeah. 
it was all of that stuff that went into the decision to go with the run it back to her. But one of the downsides of that is you just don't have those new guys that haven't experienced that before. Like that ride, it, it had already been done for all of those dudes for the most part. This year, you've got a lot of guys that have never been a part of something like this. I mean, you, look at, you don't have to look any further than the offensive line. It's a completely revamped unit. Those dudes are going to be hugely motivated to be a part of something special this season. So I just, I think there's a lot of different reasons to believe that this year is going to be a little different regular season wise. No, sort of, I swear to God, they fell asleep. Like I saw people with pillows against the Carolina Panthers. Well, like I, that, especially in the half, I felt like they fell asleep. I said it all year last year. I don't think we saw them give a damn about a game. Like truly <laughs> aside from that, that second Raiders game. And maybe yeah. the Ravens early in the season. The Ravens game to show up, should prove a point on Monday Night Football. They gave yeah, a damn that. that one yeah. and the Ra- the second Raiders game because they lost the first time. And it was Sunday Night Football, yeah. I don't think they gave a damn about any other game in the regular season. Like, I don't think they cared until they got to the playoffs. And then people were starting to say, oh, the Chiefs have been, you know, getting in these close games. Chiefs have been playing lazy. Like, they're going to get tripped up by one of these playoff teams. And they're like, all right, we'll turn it on. Like, that's just a credit to how talented they were before the offensive line really fell apart last year, that they were literally sleepwalking through the entire regular season. And and they only lost, what, two games? And one of them was a, uh, a week off where they lost to the Chargers? So they're that good. They cited. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. You're right. They slip walk through a lot. Well, so I th- I think context matters. There. But and to his point about the offensive line, yeah, like those guys are going to be hungry. Those guys also aren't trying to be the reason that they don't win. So so those guys are going to are like we got to be a top 5 offensive line. Like we got to we got to be completely locked down for this dude cuz we got to go win a ring. And they got they got plenty of resources to that offensive line that they've laid forth for that. Uh, all right, before we get out of here, congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks as they win a championship for the first time in forty nine years. And I just I just want to pose this to you all, Giannis, whatever his last name is, into Takupo, whatever that is. That's pretty I'm good. Sure that's all. Um, he went to Chick Fil A and ordered fifty of the mini chicken sandwiches. The oh, so good. Mini- so good. Is there real quick, seriously, is there any chance you believe he could do that by himself? Because his aura was the 50 and the drink. Like I thought it he- was the nuggets. No, 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 no. No. So you he, go back and listen. he, he, he changed minis. it to the chicken minis. I don't think he knew exactly what he was ordering at Chick-fil-A. Like he the switched it to minis. the chicken minis. I'm not sure he knew minis. what he was getting exactly. But you can order big trays no, of those things. No, I, I think you're wrong. He specifically said, no, I mean the minis. He says it specifically. Nope, the minis. Not 49, not 51, uh, I, 50 minis. I think he can minis. do it. I think he could do it. Have you ever you been, have you you ever been he- really, really hung over on a Saturday and you wake up too early and so you decide to go to a Chick-fil-A breakfast? It doesn't matter if it's 6 a.m. or if it's 9 or 10 a.m., Lines sure. all, lines always around the corner, and Absolutely. so you know you maybe you order on the app or somebody comes over with an iPad and they order ahead of time. You get a spicy chicken breakfast burrito, get a side of chicken minis to eat on the ride home. 
That's but the way you do it at Chick-fil-A for breakfast. Not a side of 50. <laughs> Giannis can eat 50. 50. Hey, we're talking about a dude who's 6'7", 250 pounds. He's he probably doesn't splurge seven. on Chick-fil-A every now, every now and then. Like, I'm, like I think he can crush it. He's 7 foot, 242 to be exact. 6'7"? What did you just make him? He made him LeBron. I thought he was he like 6'7", six, 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 I mean, LeBron 6'8", whatever. But he's 7 foot, 242. Listen, I'm sorry. I don't even think he can get 50. It's the bread. The amount of bread with that butter. Now, it sounds amazing. Just think, if he gets to 30, he's got 20 more to go. And if he's like me, you can crush those things, though. No, not with the bread, Serta. It's one bite. It's one bite. Giannis Giannis can fit two two or three of those things in his mouth at once. It's 50 of them. Listen, also, his hands, 5, his hands are calories. His hands 5, are so 000. big. His now, hands calories, are so big. He could fit ten of those things in his hand at once and just, pop, calories, and just pop. The them calories in. he'll run off. I'm sorry. Fifty. Listen, I know I've lost 113 pounds, and I'm going to tell you right now. In my heyday, fifty of the of the mini sandwiches with the bread, I could do it. I have had fights. With the twenty piece nugget at McDonald's, I know fifty oh. with the bread. There's no way Giannis can. Do I got to lose some weight myself, but I can. I can put down some Chick Fil A. I think he can put there, down fifty of those things. Now, if you tell Serta, me, I don't even know if you could get to fifteen. Much I, less. 15. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you, BK. Now, you could do telling, a fifteen piece McNugget. I bet you, I could do. I bet I, bet I could do twenty five to thirty. Sure, if you're you, telling you me the, the nugget. Nugget. It's the, it, Ron's right on this. It's the bread. Oh, the, chicken minis? I bet I could get 25 to 30. N- no chance. No chance. I'll pay for him for you to do it. I'll pay for Donnie, him for you to do it. what's his name? Who's the dude that wins a hot dog? That dude, he can do it. Uh, oh, for sure, he can. Joey Chestnut? Joey Chestnut, yeah. I bet Joey I could do Chestnut 25 to 30. Get me real hungover on a Saturday <laughs> morning. I'll put down 30 it of those things. butter and bread on every one of them. Yeah, and butter, you bread, them. and fried chicken. You crush them. It's two bites. Put it in, chew it up I, twice, no, I, I, swallow. BK, I don't keep think going. You just could get mash. I, I think you sweat at seventeen. I think at seventeen you start sweating. There's no then, way he gets fifteen, Ron. No, no chance. You don't think he gets fifteen? No chance. No chance. Fifteen? Fifteen? I don't know, you're man. Right. I think you're underestimating how gross I can be when it comes to food. No, I don't, but uh, but man, I. I'll give you 17. Four orders. Each order comes with four. I think if you got to 21 or 22, it'd be purely off of adrenaline and trying to prove us wrong. (laughs) He'd get to 10 and he'd feel like he's going to throw up. Guaranteed. No, no, I bet you, I bet you, BK, though, he gets to, there's a number very early that he gets to where he goes, there is no way that I am getting. I'm telling you. I have, on more than one occasion, been very hungover on a Saturday morning, driven to a Chick-fil-A at 7 a.m., got a spicy chicken breakfast burrito, which those are pretty nice-sized breakfast burritos, and got a four-piece chicken mini on the side to eat on the drive home. You're an idiot. You're an idiot, sir. That's That's two meals. We're talking about like seven. (laughs) Fifty of them. That's not even close. I said I could do twenty five to thirty. I don't think I could do fifty. I, I you can't do twenty five. I think I could. I think I could get thirty easy. He's saying because I ate two meals one day, I could because, probably get no, twenty five. Because I to ate 30. a spicy chicken sandwich and 
in how many minis? I wish they Four. offered the minis and spicy. That'd be a game changer. You gotta be kidding me. Alright, so congratulations, Giannis. I seriously, I don't think Giannis can do that. I look at Giannis, I think he can get to 30 to 35. Yeah. That feels right for him. Probably as drunk as he was, but uh whew. Yeah, that's uh that's a fun He was guy. driving, definitely sober. Yeah, you're right. Let's hope so. Uh all right, uh Show and BK on the Chiefs. We are out of here.